0: The beats
1: have CD You heard it through the great vine, you heard it here first, it's a Bames life. Mos easy with the knowledge, better take time. Man or woman, it don't matter over these sides. Black or brown, it don't matter over these sides. Conversations always popping over these sides. Where's your peace signs? Where's your white wine? Don't stress, don't worry about those deadlines. Cause you've heard it through the great vine. You heard it here first, it's a bames life. You heard it through the great vine. You heard it here first, it's a bames life. Hi everyone, thanks for um, tuning in for another episode on It's A Bane's Life. It's your host, with the most, most Mosey Izzy. And today I've got another guest with me today and I'm very excited. Um, But I will let her introduce herself to you. So whenever you're ready. Hi, my
2: name's Joy. I'm a queer, British, Muslim, mixed race woman of East Asian descent. Fantastic.
1: Only just a few different things there, isn't it? <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah. Oh, did I mention I also write and I'm a bit of an attention seeker
1: as well, <laughs> to top oh, it off. <laughs> fantastic. What kind of stuff do you write?
2: Um, Mainly fiction, but I also write articles um, based on the uh, identities that I've just mentioned. So oh, it gives me a bit
1: to write about. Yeah. Thanks. Oh, that's nice. And where have you published it? So, if people uh, want to look.
2: Well, it's a mixture of um, online news um, papers, so places like Gay Star News, um, Huffington Post Blog. Um, I'm on Medium as well. Um,
1: so, yeah, you can find me there. Fantastic. So, there are loads and loads of places, so nobody has any excuses. There we go. <laughs> Read me. <laughs> Fantastic. And I think we're going to delve into quite a bit, aren't we, in this, um, in this episode uh, in relation to like your identity and how that is within the Bain community.
2: Yeah, there's quite a bit to unpack, I must say. Especially, um, is. Of, um Yeah, especially because of what's going on out there in terms
1: of the COVID crisis. Yeah, it is, it's quite irritating when I read the news and I keep seeing that you know continuously BAME people are the people who are suffering more so with this than anybody else and that they're more likely to die I think that's quite depressing that it's not even like that we're getting we're the ones getting sick the most and we're recovering we're actually dying as well it's quite depressing
2: pretty much um it seems that yes again uh the BAME community Across the world, is the first to suffer under a pandemic this time. But we've always been first in the line, and um, it just highlights the injustices that are shown towards the BAME community, sometimes within um, within our own so-called native countries as well. Uh, there's also the class division. There's also in terms yeah. of wealth and status. There's
1: just so much going into it. It is as crazy. I'm like. Um, I think I must have mentioned it in my first episode when I said about um, in Nigeria, where my family is originally from, you can buy yourself out of going to jail for anything. Because being being gay in Nigeria is a, is a crime, mm-hmm. um, technically. So you can get up to 14 years in jail for oh. it. But if you have, that, that doesn't mean that there aren't people who are out and openly gay over there. But if they've got the money and they've got the social status, nothing happens to them. But if somebody who is classed as a nobody or just a commoner is found doing what they classify as inappropriate acts, i.e. kissing their boyfriend or just holding hands with somebody of the same sex, they will be first beaten in public before even brought to a police station, trialled and then put into jail. For
2: 14 years it does sound quite familiar to what's been happening in southeast asian muslim countries because there's definitely a queer community there and it's always been there so much so that um the societies um in southeast asia have had a better approach in terms of um inclusivity um and um, integrating queer communities into their own, because there isn't technically a label for a queer community in Southeast Asia. You are who you are. And um, if it is that um, you're um, a bit butch or a bit femme, that's who you are. And it was never an issue until maybe about 10 years ago. So in Indonesia, for example, you had a um, a madrasa, uh, a religious school, Uh, specifically for uh, the trans community and run by the trans community but um, when LGBTQI rights um, started um, being um, a lot more mainstream and a lot more heard across the world um, that's when things started to go a bit awry. really it started to get um, it started to change and um, not for the better So we've always had these queer communities in Southeast Asia, in particular in Muslim countries. But I suppose um, there is a slight backlash there whereby you've got, um, you're presenting LGBTQI rights um, in a Western way. So a lot of these countries are like, hey, what exactly are you doing? What are you trying to do? Are you trying to tell us to treat our queer community this way? Right, we're just going to go the other way. And um, that's the attitude it's been. And I remember back in the days of um, Section 28, when I grew up, um, Mm -hmm. when I went to school, I couldn't talk to any teachers about who I was. Um, I was pretty much on my own. I didn't have any support network. Um, Whereas um, in a Southeast Asian, uh, sorry, a Southeast Asian country in a girls' school, um, they were already buying sweets and chocolates and expensive presents for their girlfriends. Yeah. So, um, and that was also, a lot of them were actually Muslim. So yeah. um, there's a different dynamic there um, that was previously there. And um, there's still a queer community there. I'm not too sure about how things are at the moment, but um, when you actually do address this, um, people either don't believe it or they go, well, that's just history. However, I believe that if um, someone was to ask um, a Muslim country, or someone from a Muslim country, um, why is it um, that um, you're treating your queer community this way and you actually apply the right so-called labels to them? Like, um, say for example, um, in Malaysia, a tomboy is called a punkin, like. Do you have any punkets in your country? Um, You've always had them. What's your attitude towards them? Rather than saying, oh, your country's so shit and backward, what you're going to get is more of a reasonable discussion and also a bit more education about how the queer communities actually work in um, those countries. Yeah.
1: I completely agree, because if you look back at, like... um, Africa way before it was um, colonized we had same-sex relationships there we had queer people we had people who were intersex and um, you know the certain people if they were born intersex depending on what tribe you were from they were either seen as a blessing or as um, you know something bad that was happening so that was dependent on the different tribes that you were from but I think once we got colonised, we, we then got taught certain things. And then, like, it felt like Europe just kind of left us when we gained independence. They kind of moved on, but then just left us with the thoughts that they, have, mm-hmm. that they had in place on us already. So they changed our views. Mm-hmm. by selling us a different narrative saying this is wrong this is wrong this should only be this and that and you, you should be wearing clothes
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then all of a sudden they were gone well it wasn't all of a sudden but you know what i mean like they were gone but they never actually changed that narrative so while things were happening in the western world mm-hmm. places like africa um southeast asia all those places were kind of just left to kind of like, first of all, fix the mess that had happened, let alone mm-hmm. even depict what was even taught to us or what was institutionalised to us mm-hmm. um, going forward and to decide from that. And I think the views are so mixed now in those mm-hmm. kind of places that it's just a bit crazy. Yeah,
2: because they had, we had centuries of culture, yeah. centuries of culture, and they... I mean, colonization. What it did was it undid all that culture, and you've got like um, the trans community in 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 um, South Asia, for example. They were seen in positions of royalty and nobility. They had, they were pretty much um, way up there in terms yeah. of the scale. And um, nowadays, it's a different kettle of fish. And um, colonization, what it did was, one thing I really can't stand is that it undid all those years of culture, of integration, and um, then we have been actually been told that um, you've had about, what, decades to pick it up. You've had decades to catch up with the rest of the world. You can't wipe out centuries of a culture and expect an economy, um, a community and all those countries that had been um, desecrated in different ways yeah. to catch up in a matter of
1: decades. It doesn't work that way. Exactly, yeah. It's crazy when you think about it, about all the things that have happened didn't? while I don't want to put all the blame on the western world they do they do need to take accountability for some of the things that go on in Africa and places like Southeast Asia because they effectively taught that to us moved on and then just carried on like when you look at even war you know there are certain countries who are a still in war till today I mean coronavirus
2: lost you there <laughs>
1: sorry that's all right <laughs> somebody's decided to ring me while i'm recording of all the times, well, <laughs> i just have to wait i can't be it. really serious family it's the family group chat
2: oh bless
1: oh, there we go I have, to, have you been
2: able to catch up with family a bit more um
1: yeah group- we so we started the um We started a group chat for just like the cousins um, and like siblings. So all of us are kind of because we're all in different places. So normally I'm in South West in Bristol. I've got family in Newport in South South Wales. So we don't normally see each other all the time. But also we then have family like in Exeter, Birmingham, um, North Wales, Ireland. So it's a bit like we don't normally get time to see each other. But now that most of us are either working from home or at home because they've either been furloughed or not working anyway because they're students, because we've still got a few uni students in the, fam, um, in the family, we're all um, on group chats, just talking absolute shite, really. <laughs> as we do, as family. Complaining about our parents, oh, when will the... mum shut up? I'm trying to imagine a family argument, which
2: we usually have in our family. We're quite loud how that's going to pan out on a group
1: chat. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's ridiculous. And, I mean, I'm staying with my auntie at the moment. And um, from about nine o'clock in the morning, it's pandemonium. (laughs) So all the kids get up for us. So I'm, like, trying to have a meeting with with the team, talking about my day, what we have (laughs) planned. And I've got a 10-year-old that comes down and says she wants to give me a hug and wants to discuss her dreams that she had the night before while I'm on the call. I say, (laughs) okay, can you give me five minutes? Then we've got the twins who want to have their breakfast and sit down and they just wait for the food to arrive, but they like to have their iPads to their ears. So their music is quite loud. So now they can be heard. Then you've probably got my cousin who's not been asleep all night because he's been playing FIFA with his friends. And he's out and about singing like a madman. Then you've got my auntie shouting at everybody to be quiet because I'm working, but it's not actually helping. So it's very, very crazy. Like, but you know what? At the same time, when are we ever going to get this again? True. Do you know what I mean? So that, I am... A part of me is enjoying it, but I don't tell them that because they'd never stop. I just tell them how annoying they are. But a part of me does enjoy it a little bit. I'm not gonna lie.
2: I think I, you're not I, alone. I there, live. a lot of people are
1: actually seeing um, some benefits to being at home. Yeah, yeah. I think the greatest bit is when you have somebody like higher in your office doing like a very important call and all of a sudden you hear in the background daddy can we play princess now <laughs> think, wow you play so princess cute. as well <laughs> and it just shows that everybody is human at the end of the day and while you know it removes all this hierarchy that we have yeah. sometimes in the workplace and mm-hmm. we're actually all just trying to get the job done at the end of the day so it's quite good. But what about yourself how are you finding um being at home are you working from home at the moment?
2: Um yeah I'm doing a bit of everything. Um I'm doing a bit of advocacy um as well. Yeah. And um I'm trying to do a bit of writing but um as you know writer's blog. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> not writer not writer's blog. block Yeah so um also trying to keep up with the housework and um daily tasks which um sometimes pan out quite well and sometimes don't um haven't picked up my guitar for ages i should try oh can you play the
1: guitar i try (laughs) i'd love to know how to play the guitar it's one instrument i don't know how to play also i can't read music so i really don't know how that's going to work i don't know which one i'm supposed to learn first um
2: with the reading music i don't know how to do that either it's um, oh. played by ear or with guitars, I guess it's more towards chord and you just mess oh. around
1: with the strings a bit.
2: Well, that's how I do it anyway. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Um, forgot what I was saying now. What were we talking um, about?
2: We were talking about the history of um, colonisation in different countries and how oh, yeah. it the rest of the world. Um, yeah. Um, what we were meant to do and how we were supposed to pick it up when it was left in such a mess.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Like I was saying, yeah, with war, for example, there's so many countries that are still, you know, having war to this day that has been caused by the Western world. Yeah. But it gets to a point and they're just like, oh, we're washing our hands off it now. And yep. all these people are fighting each other. And the reality is, really and truly if you were to go and pick somebody off the street would they probably understand why why there's so much animosity between two sides probably not that much probably Mm -hmm. the people who are fighting don't really know much anymore about why why it is happening they just don't they just carry on because that's what they've been institutionalized to believe which is really sad Mm -hmm. and um it's what it's kind of why I started doing things like volunteering and the podcast as well because I think we need to start reaching out to people in the BAME community and realize that we need to start fighting each other because yeah. even within our own cultures we have so many things that can draw us so apart from each other which is ridiculous yes And I just think is there really any need we're all in the same boat we're all st- trying to get to the same place we're all trying to live in society in mm-hmm. harmony and in peace do we now need to divide yet again within each other to carry mm-hmm. on
2: yep i completely agree and i actually do remember the rosy days in my childhood um yeah. apart from school but um i lived in um, northwest london and the idea was that if you weren't white english you were basically part of this massive community and it was so cosmopolitan and mixed in its own way so um, your ethnicity and your religion um, to an extent really wasn't an issue you still um, had misconceptions uh, because this was what 30 years ago so there was always going to be misconceptions about each other's ethnicity Um, but the whole idea was that you supported each other and exactly, um, yeah. that, w- that was only in certain areas um, uh, that I can remember. What about yourself?
1: Um, so my growing up was a little bit weird because I was born and raised in Europe to start off with. So I didn't really live back home, like in Africa, as they say. So my home is Ireland. But mm-hmm. I remember growing up in like a village. Um, mm-hmm. We were the only black family. Nobody Mm -hmm. in our little village had ever seen black people before. Mm -hmm. We had a little farm that we used to milk cows. That was strange to them. Mm -hmm. I mean, the only foreigners they had at that time really were travellers. And they weren't actually foreigners. They were just Irish Mm travellers. So when we were there, they were like, who on earth are these ones and why are they so dark? And I mean, if you saw my family, it, we're not even that dark. Because <laughs> there's such a mixture of different things, but we were just not white. So to them, that was strange. But in saying that, um, some people were just fascinated by us and would ask questions. And they were just asking questions because they wanted to know more. Some people were rude. I mean, I remember my parents having um, an African food store and we used to have to wash the windows every single day for months on end because we used to get um, no chicken nuggets allowed here written on the, on the walls.
2: Yeah, I remember you telling me that on
1: our yeah. early call. Good God. So, sure. and I mean, that was like, and we ended up in the newspaper for that because that, you know, they had never seen racism like that before. They'd like, people who weren't racist had never seen it like that. But then also growing up in Ireland um, is a very Catholic country in mm-hmm. general. So to, to one be of the Bain community was strange enough depending on where you were living because most of all the um, Bain community were living in like Dublin, like you would here in, in the UK, you would mm-hmm. think that the hub of it is in London and then like it kind of trickles down to all these different places and while like the UK actually has lots of places where you would find lots of BAME people, Ireland isn't very like that, there are certain places that you probably will still go to today and mm. you won't see anybody of the BAME community just because they just don't live in that area so mm. um when when we eventually when I realized that I wasn't straight I'll just Mm -hmm. just say that because I wasn't a lesbian, I wasn't bi I didn't didn't know what pansexual was at that time, I just knew that I wasn't straight, I didn't just like guys Mm -hmm. to then go and tell your nun, who is your teacher Mm -hmm. that you are gay while being the only black girl in the class in Mm -hmm. an all girls secondary school is an absolute no, no, that's not happening. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, imagine, imagine how many Hail Marys and Our Fathers I had, would have to say to try and get rid of that sin at the next confession. Oh, Lord. So and you did actually that. tell her? Yeah, we did. Oh, um, no, I didn't, I didn't actually say anything until I left mm-hmm. secondary school um, officially. Like, I didn't come out of it. Some people knew already. But they would have been my my close friends so Mm -hmm. they would have kind of known some of them we were dating so it was kind of like secret but it was all hush hush so in school there was no like you did not give any sign that you were potentially not of the straight heteronormative world because that was just not gonna it wasn't gonna fit into what the school had as an ethos I mean, when you're mm-hmm. being taught by nuns, mm-hmm. you can imagine <laughs> what that ethos looks like. And every <laughs> Wednesday is confession. Oh, and my I God. Used to, yeah, and I used to lie in my confession because I couldn't tell them I was gay. So I'd just be like, yeah, I hit my sister yesterday. And the priest would be like, two hurt her marys and then one I'm like, All right, cheers, thanks. Can I go now? <laughs> And then also to come from a background where they then also believe that being in a same-sex relationship was a no-no. Mm-hmm. It was then really difficult to actually be my th- true authentic self for a long time because, you, because your, your teenage years and your younger years are the years that really make you up sometimes, I believe. And when you can't actually live like who you are, who you are, who God has intended for you to be, Mm -hmm. is very difficult because you get into your 20s and you're like, so now what actually happens? Because I've just had 19, 20 years of being secretive. So now where do I go from here? So it's quite crazy, but um, I managed to get through it anyway when I got to you, now I was just like, whatever. but then I came to the understanding that actually I shouldn't have to come out because mm-hmm. no straight person sits their parents down and says, mom, dad, you know, I just want you to know that I like people of the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. Like your par- <laughs> Do you know if you sat down and said that to your parents, they would look at you like, what is going on? Why would you <laughs> even say that? So then I always think, So why would you expect me to say the opposite? (laughs) You see, I actually find that's pretty much a bi-pan thing
2: as well. Because um, we don't do a lot of coming out, really. (laughs) Um, Not as much as um, our lesbian and gay counterparts. Um, I agree. So, um, And it's also a very um, typical bisexual thing to say. Um, If someone is questioning your um, sexuality um to say well why is that relevant <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know and i suppose it should be that way why is it relevant in terms of um who you're attracted to um yeah. but um i suppose in order to gain visibility and help those um not this feel wrong the about thing. themselves the uh, labels are necessary to an extent
1: yeah i completely agree because i think if I think if the label like pansexual hadn't um, become a thing, I probably still wouldn't know why I am. I would just know that I definitely don't just like men and women. Like that's, that's what I literally used to say to people. I don't just like men and women. I like everybody. And they were like, well, it's only men and women. I'm like, but no, there's more than that. And I didn't even know how to explain myself. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know. I just, I just like people. But I don't like people because I don't want to be around a lot of people. But, you know, and and then they're like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "It doesn't matter. I don't fancy you, so don't worry." That's literally how I used to end the situation. Are you an introvert as well? Yeah. Like Same. Can you imagine?
2: <laughs> you know what? I think the era of introversion is actually shining through this 100%. lockdown. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Because um, everyone's like, oh, I can't wait to, like, go back out party. And I'm like, I wasn't doing that anyway. So it's fine. <laughs> Minus physically going into the office to work. Lockdown is what my normal life looks like. <laughs> Which is it's crazy. Really, yeah. And
0: relate. people are
1: like, you're so you're such a nanny. The other day I told my aunt, I think I'm gonna take a nap. I'm really tired. <laughs> like, honest to God, you're in your late 20s and you're taking a nap. I'm like, "I'm tired, OK, I've been working very hard today." It's, it's no better on the other side, because I'm
2: oldish, and um, I still go out clubbing, um, And um, a lot of people who are younger than me are like, "Are you sure you really want to do that? Don't you just want to settle down?" And I'm like, I am settling down. I'm settling down and having a party every two, every um, what two or three days in a week. Um,
1: yeah,
2: so uh, we don't get a better label either.
1: No, we definitely don't. Yeah, and um, also,
2: yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, no, go on now. Also, as um, a bay member of the community, sometimes we don't even get allowed in these clubs as well. Um, yeah. one of my favorite uh, former um, gay well former clubs, former favourite clubs, excuse me. This is why we do different takes on the show. (laughs) Um, It's a lovely gay bar, which is an alternative um, to Heaven Club, um, which is also quite difficult to get into um, sometimes. Um, I've heard of Heaven. Um, I've never been, but I have heard of it. There is quite a bit of a strict door policy. um, And sometimes it can get a bit ableist as well. um, Because... um, I think that uh, when it comes to um, training people about um, disabled um, communities, one thing that um, they're not trained on um, is to look beyond the wheelchair, beyond physical yeah. disabilities. So you've got invisible disabilities. And yeah. um, I find that um, certain industries, like say, for example, not all um, security companies but certain security companies haven't been trained at that aspect to um, actually pick up on invisible disabilities and instead dismisses um, people at the door as being drunk when it's actually um, part of a disability or a learning disability and um, that's something that um, even my marginalised communities haven't learned to, um, uh, to pick up on especially when it comes to venues that are supposed to be supportive and inclusive. And um, when it comes to admitting uh, members of the BAME community, like, say, for example, Asians, not only Southeast Asians and East Asians, but also South Asians, we're seen as the uncool minority. And I'm actually doing an inverted commas thing with my hands at the (laughs) moment. (laughs) so if we're uncool that means we're not cool enough to join the club and um, there has been times where I've been turned away at the door um, for being um, not a cool minority Um, because uh, the club would want someone who's a gay, white, cis um, and attractive and young as only part yeah. of their membership, and that happens to my favourite gay club. So that's quite heartbreaking. <laughs> um, oh,
1: it's so cure, irritating. You know? Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I also find as well. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you find this as well, but especially if you're a female, mm-hmm. heaven forbid you have a partner that is also very, um, like, say, if both of you are feminine. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that I am the most feminine of women because I you know love my masculine side of me as well so depending on how I'm feeling I can be a bit more feminine a bit more masculine depending on the day of the week Mm -hmm. um, because I'm very fluid like that but Mm -hmm. there have been times when I've been out with my um, ex-partner and she was quite feminine and I'm maybe dressed very feminine and i would be stopped at the door and they would say because they were expecting the typical uh white couple one butch looking for example mm-hmm. one very feminine looking to mm-hmm. walk in together they then see two um feminine women one's bame one's white okay do you, and then they would they wouldn't question her but they would mm-hmm. question me and they'd be like, you do understand that this is a, a, gay, a gay bar or a gay I, nightclub? And I'm like, e- yes. I've got that before. That's why I'm here w- with my female partner, who is of the same sex as me. And they're like, oh, so you're gay as well? I'm like, e- yes. And they go, oh, you don't look gay. I'm like, well, what does gay look like? what does gay look like why do you tell me that I don't look gay
2: oh god I remember walking into the Richmond Arms in Richmond which was a gay pub and um, I was quite feminine at that time and uh, they thought I was a DVD seller wow (laughs) exactly wow (laughs) pub's closed now but I don't care i don't like being mistaken for a dvd seller no um i pretty much rocked as a femme but thank you very much for adding to
1: (laughs) my insecurities (laughs) yeah well and then i and then I, you know you have the extreme opposite that you know if i go out in tracks and bottoms a pair of runners and maybe i've got my do rag on nobody tends to look at the fact that i've got like massive tits like I I can't even lie they are not not noticeable but they would just go excuse me sir I'm like what I'm not a sir I'm a miss and they're like oh sorry I thought you were a man and but they and they still carry on to justify I'm like shush just shut your mouth say sorry and forget it don't justify and tell me what you thought because you weren't thinking you could just say, excuse me, and not add the gender to it. Like, I don't True. understand why we need to be so gender specific all the
2: time. It's an old age sort of um culture that we've got and that we're learning to overcome as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've only just started separating. Um, we're not separating, but taking off the... um. Uh, gender labels on clothes and on toys haven't we yeah. and even then there was quite a bit of an outcry from it too and we've got things like um gender reveal parties I imagine oh. that it must be a bit of a pain if you're a kid and you're like okay um do I have to like pink do I have to yeah. like blue do I have to like dollies do I have to like football it's ridiculous. based on gender alone I know uh, And there's always a backlash on from it as well uh, by uh, people who say, well, can't we just let boys be boys and girls be girls in what way? Yeah, really. (laughs) You know, sometimes I actually look at the heterosexual culture and I'm like, I really feel sorry for you lot because (laughs) you know, on the one hand you're saying, Oh, we've got to be ourselves. You know, it's great to be ourselves, but in what way are you going to be yourself? If it is that you're applying all these rules that don't allow you to be yourself,
1: and you, you actually have to get told that, oh, you know, if you're a girl, you, you do X, Y, and Z. And, and, and that comes into the Bang culture even more so than like the white culture. Here we go. Here's one of the twins.
0: Do you oh. want the sweet.
1: <laughs> are they identical twins? They are. Um, I wouldn't say they're identical, identical, but they definitely look alike. They're autistic, so they don't talk. Um, mm-hmm. Brenda, are you all right? Yeah, she's gonna just have a sing song by herself. No worries. Oh bless. I'll carry on then. <laughs> As you do. Um, but yeah, like it, within the BAME community, mm-hmm. that's where I see it even, even more so because if I even just like say black people. Mm-hmm. the moment you are born you are institutionalized to believe that the woman cooks cleans looks after the husband mm-hmm. it's like women are trained to be good housewives mm-hmm. while men are trained to succeed in life why does me succeeding in life have to be marriage and children and why you see, can't i be the ceo of a company exactly and that's the thing
2: they when it comes to powerful um, female figureheads in BAME communities, they definitely do exist and they yeah. probably are a lot more common than um, Western um, female powerful figureheads. Exactly. But yeah. They don't get any attention at all. It's actually considered as part of the package. I think there's a lot of pressure on um, BAME women in particular to succeed in absolutely everything they do so yeah in terms of their career education um homemaking um
1: yeah.
2: being a spouse being a mother you've got to be excellent in absolutely everything um we're she as superhuman um, yeah rather than just human which is flattering but also bloody tiring and what's more we're not even getting recognized for it um, no. Not that we're expecting stickers or people to pray to us, but, you know, a bit of recognition once in a while. Yeah. Would Maybe, be absolutely um, fantastic. It'd be nice if we also ended up on the front cover of Forbes or New Scientist magazine instead, yeah. of, um, instead of your usual um, male scientist or once in a while um, a blonde chick who has done quite well as well in the science field. Great. But
1: what about us? We're here, we've yeah. been here for ages. It's crazy when I think about it because um, I was having a conversation with um, two lovely ladies the other day, and um, I was saying to them that it's quite funny because in my workplace, although it's very, um, it can be quite male orientated, actually, some of the people who are really in charge like the top top people are females mm-hmm. so even though we might have more males we've actually got more females in power
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they were like that's really interesting that that's taking a turn and when i say females i'm talking about within the BAME community outside of the BAME community as well we've got quite a mixture of them in in different areas within mm-hmm. the in, within the company but but you don't see that a lot but, and that's one thing I'm quite grateful for where I work is that they, they are very empowering when it comes mm-hmm. to things like that they want to see you succeed and once mm-hmm. one gets there they're doing everything they can to get everybody up there but that's all well and good within a company organisation what mm-hmm. happens when I leave that organisation to go somewhere else
2: mm-hmm.
1: and we're back to having all males at the top and everybody else at the bottom and then we only get some women that get to the top. And like you said, they're usually the blonde chick that's done quite well for herself. Or you then get the one BAME person that's made it, but no one talks about them. Yeah, I do recall. It's within the, the organisation, but that's about it. It would never go any further than that. It's um it's pretty much institutionalized
2: isn't it and um, there are also companies that deliberately put um, BAME and LGBTQI uh, managers at the top um, just to say hey we're diverse we're equal Uh, but they're surrounded uh, by straight white peers all the time so there's a lot of obvious tokenism
1: yeah there's like there's the being empowering and then there's the tick box exercise is what i call it are you just ticking a box or are Mm. you actually giving me that position because you think i'm i'm able to do it exactly do you you classify me as an equal or are you saying what we we don't want to be audited by somebody outside who says and this is you know this organization is looking very one way so Mm. we're gonna just proper few people in some places to tick the boxes
2: absolutely and also the media tend to have a field day with that don't they oh my god yeah yeah because getting back to um bame um females um we're always being portrayed as victims rather than successful um and kick-ass and bloody brilliant (laughs) um And every time you see, um, well, not every time, but a lot of the times that uh, I can give an example, a Muslim woman, because I'm a Muslim woman. And I would like to see all these successful um, Muslim women running businesses and um, being there right at the top, rather than being portrayed as a victim on a TV show all the time, as someone who just has no choice in wearing her hijab. A lot of women yeah. do wear hijab by choice. Um, exactly. Not every, you know, not everyone wants um, their looks picked on, their hair picked on, their figures picked on all the time. Um, so you know what, hijab tends to prevent that. But people seem to think that it's a tool that's set by men to um, prevent other people looking at women. Um, but you know, if um, you were to focus on Female Muslim scientists, or CEOs, or directors, successful businesswomen—I don't think we would say no. I think it'd be great because uh, we want um, role models for our younger generation.
1: Exactly.
2: And you can't be a role model solely by um, by um, figures that um, are always considered victims, you know, it's it's just not fair, really. Um that's just um saying to um the younger generation this is what um you have to go through and that's not really motivating at the end of the day, is it?
1: Yeah, it's really sad that we do have to sit our like even my younger siblings and tell them, you know, even though you're gonna go you're in uni and you're gonna come out with some really good results, you're gonna have to work twice as hard to be Recognize the same, mm-hmm. yep. let alone then also add being LGBTQI plus on top of that as well. Mm-hmm. And it's annoying because you shouldn't have to work. You should work hard, obviously, but you shouldn't have to work harder mm-hmm. to be recognized at the same level. We should all just be able to coexist. And if I do better than you, I do better than you. End of story. It shouldn't be that I've had to put in way more hours and not get paid to be Mm -hmm. recognised when you can come in, do nine to five, Mm -hmm. clock out, clock in, and the likelihood of you getting a promotion before me is inevitable. It's not fair. And it's quite exactly. irritating that, that that still happens to this day. And it still happens in a lot of places. And a lot of places are just doing tick box exercise and they're having a few people. But like you said about the whole hijab thing, it really irritates me with that because I wear a headscarf, like I was saying to mm-hmm. you before we start, um before we start um we started recording. And in Christian faith, back back in the olden times, women had to cover their heads going into church and because I grew up in an African church before I you know was much older and left and went somewhere else I grew up with that mentality now Mm -hmm. it got to a certain point where you could actually choose to do that or Mm -hmm. not I still to this day when I go to church will cover my hair and that's a choice that I make Mm -hmm. nobody has ever forced me to put Mm -hmm. that on my head. Even as a child, there were still women in the church who didn't put it on their head. No one ever said anything to them. But Mm -hmm. when I put it on my head and I tell people, you know, I like to cover my hair for religious purposes as well, they're like, oh, first they tell me, but you're not a Muslim. So why are you covering your hair? Okay, not just Muslims cover their hair. Wake up. Mm -hmm. Did you not pay attention in R.A.? What's wrong with you? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) and secondly it's my choice I can put whatever I want on my head (laughs) and I don't want you to comment on my frizzy hair today I just want (laughs) to cover my hair I woke up I didn't want to brush it and I said you know what I'm gonna pop my head wrap on and there Mm -hmm. have been times where I put my head wrap on and um it looks kind of like a hijab because I wrap it around my shoulders and people were like, "Oh, have you changed religion from when I saw you last?" What? Just like, you know, who says that I have to be one way to do something? I can do what I like. Exactly. And, 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 and it's just so bizarre to me because I don't ask somebody, "Why have you dyed your hair blonde?" You're not. You're not from Denmark. <laughs> You know what I mean, like, have you suddenly changed where you've come from? Obviously they would look, and this is the thing, like, when we say, you know, put things into perspective before you start asking questions. How would you feel if somebody just asked you that random question? You'd obviously be like, well, obviously, no, I haven't changed where I come from. That's a silly question. So what makes your question valid? Well, um,
2: I remember when I wore the headscarf in public, um, once and someone just this random stranger come up to me and goes excuse me why are you wearing that headscarf you're chinese wow <laughs> <laughs> so like, there's only 10, mil- 10 million of them in china itself but you know never mind about <laughs> that you know, exactly a whole it's like they just, yeah them.
1: people just seem to um people just seem to assume certain things yeah, And I think that's due to social media That's due to the media itself Where they depict certain mm-hmm. places mm-hmm. In a certain way do you know, The amount of times growing up People have asked me So do you wear shoes when you go back to Africa? What? I'm like
2: oh No, no, obviously
1: Obviously not I just fancy walking around on the street With my barefoot In hopes that I don't cut my toes off Why wouldn't I wear shoes? What the hell? But then if you look at all those, like, you know, um, what's the ad that I'm thinking of? That You really used to have it. I've forgotten it now. It was for cancer research anyway. And they used to show kids in Africa walking to the well that was, like, 70 miles away, and Mm -hmm. they had no shoes on. And, yes, there are certain places that that does happen, Mm-hmm. But there's also people within the Western world that have no shoes. That's true. No one ever talks about that. <laughs> so everybody just seems to think like poverty is, you know, uh, an African or an Asian thing or, you know, just yeah. it's not in Europe when actually, let's look at the coronavirus pandemic that's happening. There's more unemployment in America, which is like the hub of the world. Mm -hmm. than you know in most places
2: and what it does is it creates a bigger division um, for those on um, those in poverty in Western countries as well because um, it doesn't give them any coverage on what they're going through and um, then there's this idea that society has turned its back on um, those who are less wealthy in Western countries. And it's and when you have the media not giving them any coverage at all, um, I guess that really does add fuel to the fire. Yeah. Yep.
1: It's crazy. But how do you deal with Islamophobia? Um, with Islamophobia, it's pretty much kind of
2: unique in a way when it's applied to me because um, ignorance in this case would be on my side because a lot of people don't acknowledge East and Southeast Asian Muslims, including the Muslim community themselves. Um, I was filling in a uh, equality and diversity form um, for the Muslim Council of Britain and they covered every single ethnicity um, that you find in the Muslim community, except for East and Southeast Asians. That tick box was completely missing. There was nothing I could fill in apart from others. And you've got the largest Muslim community, meanwhile, which is Indonesia, and that's in Southeast Asia. And to say that, oh, there's not enough um, Indonesians or Malaysians or even Southern Filipinos in this country, that's not an excuse, Um, because in every single mosque, that you go to in Britain, you will definitely find a Southeast Asian or Far East or East Asian um, face praying amongst you. Yeah. So that's not an excuse. And um, we get treated like holiday destinations, basically. It's more of a case of, oh, your country's so liberal. Um, and, um, oh, I've been to Bali before. It was lovely there. It's never about... Um, seeing us as part of the community. It's seeing us yeah. as more of a offshoot of the community, yeah. Muslim community. So we're not really taken seriously um, in that sense. And we've had female Muslim clerics for centuries in China. And um, when it comes to um, talking about female figureheads um, in Islam, we could use that argument. But because it's um, an argument that um, would be strengthened from an East Asian country, people push it aside. Yeah. Um, So, um, with me um, personally, as a um, Muslim of East and Southeast Asian descent and South Asian descent, I actually have passing privilege, which I do acknowledge. Um, So, I haven't had Islamophobia face to face. But um, my relatives have, those who are darker skinned than me, those who are more visibly Muslim than me, those who wear the hijab, those who have um, beards and skull caps. Um, Some of my relatives um, have had to um, plan their route um, properly in terms of going to other countries on a holiday. They can't really... um, go and take a transit flight because if they take a transit flight they, get, they might get stopped on transit and probably um, questioned and it's a massive palaver and um, some of uh, my hijabi relatives have to take off their hijab and probably probably replace it with a hat when they go and uh, visit certain parts of um, uh, this country so that they don't get harassed. Um, my mum used to get called the P word on the phone because she has a muslim name so um, so ridiculous (laughs) so we've got um ignorance coming from different sides we've got ignorance coming from uh the non-muslim community but we've also got ignorance um coming from the muslim community itself
1: yeah it's i find that so bizarre that and it goes back again to all the divide that we have within us as well I mean we want to be accepted by the wider society yet we're struggling to accept our own which doesn't make sense to me it doesn't and I I, I, I completely get that because I so when, when I was with my partner I used to say to the people you know when people are like oh I've just seen this lovely flight for 30 quid there and back I'm like oh I can't go there if I go with my partner, I'll get killed. Because one, I'm a Christian, it's a Muslim country. Two, I'm, I'm gay, going with a female partner. What happens if we accidentally hold hands or somebody accidentally sees us kissing when we're trying to be secretive? That's it, it's game over. So I used to tell people, like, you can't, we can't just book a holiday and not think about it while we don't choose to be gay or choose to be part of the BAME community, this is just how, how we are. Everything else is a choice going forward in order to protect those identities.
2: And it's just sad that religious communities tend to cater more for privileged um, identities compared yeah. to disprivileged, when it was the whole point of religion was to represent those who were underprivileged and to make things fairer for everyone. And we're definitely not seeing that right now.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, look at the world, look at the the amount of people that are dying, the amount of people that are looking for food parcels just to feed their family because they were already living paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. But yet there's people who are comfortably at home, not really doing much complaining that they want everywhere to open back up because they're getting bored. But they don't ever have to worry about what's in their bank account. And they don't even think my neighbour next door could be... could not have eaten for the last three days. And the fact that people are dying, not even just from coronavirus, but they're dying from other things as well, starvation, other illnesses, because they can't get help. Mm-hmm. is absolutely sad and then that to be within the BAME community the most what does that then tell you is that we're the ones who are usually doing the low low jobs that people don't want to do and um, I they think they're better than their you know those jobs are beneath them
2: and only now that we're, we're actually getting recognition for it but yeah. how many lives has it lives has it taken for the BAME medical staff to be recognised for what they
1: do. You know? well, I don't know if you saw, um, there was an article, this would have been about two months ago when this all first started kicking off, when they were mm-hmm. saying, you know, thanks to the NHS staff and the Daily Mail, the Independent, they all had pictures of people from the NHS. But what do they have? White people. Not one BAME person, not even mixed race
2: that doesn't make but sense we
1: know <laughs> yeah but we know the yeah. nhs is mainly made up of vain people exactly <laughs> but yet yeah, exactly. you've picked the whitest of the whitest and i'm not discounting you know yeah. the white race mm-hmm. but at the same time they are intentionally discounting our race exactly and saying well you're not as important to be on to be on the newspaper
2: it kind of is saying that our lives are more disposable in a way and that's pretty sickening and I think um that sort of has contributed towards um how things are now in terms of the outbreak uh because um initially uh COVID-19 was just seen as an outbreak that affected yellow people it affected people from the mystical east so why should anyone give a shit yeah. um but um it's spread to us, and um even now we 're still um we 're still dehumanizing um BAME members of the community and yeah. um the East Asian and Southeast Asian community are feeling the full brunt of it at the moment um of course yeah. because um one we have always been homogenized um, by those who are not non-East or Southeast Asian, even though um, within our communities uh, it's the complete opposite um, that kind of has contributed towards the, uh, um, the sense of community that we do have, which frankly speaking um, isn't that strong, to be honest. Um, so, um, I'm going off on a tangent there because this is quite a passionate discussion.
1: (laughs) No, carry on.
2: Um, The um, whole idea of um, anti-East and Southeast Asian racism is quite unique in a sense because um, people um, look at our particular community and think there's a model model minority. The whole model minority thing has just basically... um, Backlashed on us this time because we have over the years and over the centuries have faced um, racism and um, It has also got to the point where it's quite violent. So yeah. you will have um, Violent anti east and Southeast Asian attacks because we're considered the so-called soft race Therefore we've got a walking target on our head all the time um, but um, people just um, don't recognize it that way or it's seen as quite normalized. Um, I remember back in the 90s, there was a case of this um, woman This woman who was Chinese and she worked in the job center and uh, there was this disgruntled guy who walked in and um, he wasn't happy at all. So what he did was he took it out on her and pushed her to the floor um, he was um quite um he was a lot more bigger than her and yeah. he uh, trampled all over her chest um broke wow. her rib cage um, it affected her heart therefore she died um you've got cases of um restaurant owners um chinese restaurant owners and they would report um that they're getting racism um hurled against them against their businesses and uh because um, it's just seen as an isolated incident rather than actual hate crimes. Um, Next thing you know, you've got a dead restaurant owner.
1: Exactly.
2: Right, and um, you've got, um, there was also the case of um, a uh, Korean guy that was thrown on the train tracks, got killed. And um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if it was a racist attack, because again, soft target. Um, I've also witnessed it myself as a kid someone got mugged right in front of me little Chinese woman uh, walking her kids um, and got physically attacked Um, and those are the things you don't hear in the news um, because we're the so-called soft race therefore we've got to expect it and also it does lead to um, Underrepresentation, which um, say for example, if you're filling in a police report, if uh, you're not being categorised categorised um, correctly, um, if you've only got the closest thing, which is Chinese, to describe your ethnicity, and um, you're inevitably going to be um, ticking the others box, guess what? It's going to underrepresent
1: attacks
0: yeah.
1: against What'll east happen. asians and southeast asian figures And so... the funny thing is people don't realize how how many actually have to take that other's box because i have to take that other's box you're taking that other's box yeah and, and we're two completely different races here yeah within and the same community mm-hmm.
2: So I we're remember. not even
1: being rep- we're not even being represented because, like I said to you before, so on the, on the paper it will say white Irish, mm-hmm. okay, but it doesn't say black Irish. Why is that? Is, is, is Irish people only white? No.
2: I remember you mentioning that,
1: um, and I find that so bizarre. And then I have to click other, and then in some places you might get lucky where it says mm-hmm. specify. Yeah. And then I write black Irish or sometimes I cross out the white and I put black mm-hmm. and then tick the box because I'm Irish. Mm-hmm. So we know that the majority of Irish people are white. So why do you then have white Irish? What other colour? Like you don't have green Irish, so I don't understand why you have white Irish. Do you know what I mean? Like British is British and then you're yeah. either Black British or Afro-Caribbean or whatever it is that you then fall into. But then this whole, like, I just don't understand that box when it comes to Irish. What, who is white Irish? Like if you're Irish and you are not <laughs> Black, you are just Irish, it's, your colour is irrelevant. Whether and you're in like, you know, a soft white or really white or pasty white, it doesn't matter.
2: It's just dictating um, your identity to you, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and I remember you mentioning that to me as well in our last conversation. So um, yeah. I thought, how is it that it can actually be a little bit more fair across the board? Because it's not only um, um, England that has mixed communities. Yeah. And to actually say that, oh, well, um, these other countries um, don't have ethnic minorities is a complete lie. You know, exactly. you're actually discounting entire communities. And um, in Europe, you've got mixed communities across the board.
1: Yeah. And I the thought thing well, the thing I find funniest because I've, I've lived in a, in a few different countries because um, my family liked to travel around when I was younger
2: and in Ireland
1: we have Irish or Black Irish or Afro, we have that so what I tend to see is when you are not in that particular country mm-hmm. they, like other countries forget that there's Black people living there same way in Ireland you probably wouldn't see all the different options for British you would either be British or Black British, that's as far as it, or maybe Asian British, mm-hmm. that's probably as far as it would go. And then whatever else you say, and that's still a problem in itself. But then what I don't understand is why is there not a template for everybody? Like we understand that being people don't just live in Britain and Ireland and you know Scotland and France and Germany, that like, they live everywhere. I don't know a single country. Mm-hmm. In the whole world that does not have BAME people, whether that might whether that population of BAME people is small, there's still BAME people in there, and they deserve to be represented. So why are we underrepresented in certain places? Like I just don't. It just I can't fathom the thought. I don't understand it. I'd love somebody from the government to sit down and explain to me. Preferably not the Tories because <laughs> they can't even explain whether we go out or not mm-hmm. <laughs> during the coronavirus <laughs> we've all just got to be alert whatever that um, means
2: yeah they're pretty much a year but uh, a year but no but year but no sort yeah. of um, thing isn't it that's going on right now
1: oh my god it's i watched it and i thought this man is just babbling on for a good 10 minutes and um, i don't know if i'm going to work tomorrow <laughs> You can go to walk to work, but we would prefer if you walked the whole 40 miles that you live rather than death, get the bus. Thanks. I'll start walking now, Boris, yeah? And I should get there for 9am <laughs> tomorrow. Thanks. Because everybody lives next door to their office. <laughs> like, I, sometimes I think that the government are just... They're just in this cloud. They don't even realise that there's actual people living in the world. Like what they say affects many, many people. Well, you know, they had an opportunity to actually open
2: dialogue with East and Southeast Asian countries to see how they can actually deal with the pandemic. Uh, They had months to do that. But instead, they're like, no, we'll just go it on our own and we'll um, do herd immunity and also just um, make it up as we go along. Because your experience doesn't mean shit, basically. yeah. Um, And uh, that's uh, their general attitude towards um, East and Southeast Asians, um, which um, we've had to put up with as a community in the past. Um, Yeah but um, it's on a a much more grander scale. Uh, You've got institutionalized racism that has affected uh, the entire country, just because you did not want to listen to a country that is Um, non-white. That said, they also didn't want to listen to Germany, um, and they didn't want to listen to Italy, they didn't want to listen to um, France. It was...
1: It just is quite senseless, really. (laughs) It's crazy. It is crazy. And the funny thing is they didn't want to listen to the African community either. Instead, uh, they were more more, um, interested in the fact that we've got lower deaths mm -hmm. in Africa okay we've got lower deaths we've got more people probably if you put the whole of Africa together and Mm -hmm. um, you know our houses are a lot smaller and there'll be more people living in there and not everybody's practicing social distancing and we don't have the best medical medical care I can completely agree to all those things but we are obviously doing something very different to you guys to not have as many deaths and Mm -hmm. instead their only result is oh well maybe we should um, when we come up with our vaccine go to africa with it you know the place that had less deaths and yeah. just just wipe, wipe out a nation because who cares about them they're dying over here may as well kill them over there as well Oof. like hello yeah again that's My what you... lives there i kind of don't want her to die thanks
2: again that's to do with the dehumanization of the BAME community yeah by those in power and it's absolutely disgusting I actually do um remember seeing that and I was like why do you want to test out a vaccine on a community that has a low infection rate if you are going to um if your community has a high infection rate, I am sure a lot of people would be climbing over themselves to actually get that vaccine tested on them. Yeah. So that would have actually been a better start to actually try that vaccine on places that have um, a high infection rate. So it just defies common sense, really. And yet these people call themselves scientists. Yeah. which is a bit of a mindfuck, really.
1: <laughs> I, I, I just find this so bizarre, and, you know, I've said it, and I will keep on saying it, if I have to go and stand on the borders to not allow a scientist to use my people mm-hmm. as guinea pigs, then that is exactly what I will be doing, because... Absolutely not, will you be turning up with a vaccine that you don't know whether it will work, what the side effects will be, and then just test that and go, well, if they all die, well, they all die then. Like our lives is not more disposable than anybody else. And all coronavirus has taught us is that actually, leaving it in the hands of the government, they will choose people, they will choose who to save. And you know, the, the things that are being said um, from people who are in America that I know is that there is preferential treatment going on, whereby the locals will be, so, will be looked after first and then anybody else of a different race. It's the same over here from what I hear
2: um, yeah. from the Filipino community. Um, so there's as you know, there's quite a lot of um, members of the Filipino community that work within the NHS. yeah. Um, and um, there's been quite a number of deaths um, in the Filipino community who also work for the NHS. And uh, one thing they have been saying is that um, the preferential treatment is for those who are local compared to those who are not local. Um
1: that's oh so crazy.
2: And I actually do remember, um, before COVID-19, um, going back um, to um, anti-East and Southeast Asian racism, there yeah. was one NHS um, nurse who was from the Philippines, and the NHS accidentally killed her. Wow. And um, Accidentally killed. Yeah, they fed her the wrong sort of uh, medication or something like that. So um, she left behind um, her baby and her husband. And uh, you know what they did to say sorry? They deported the husband and the child.
1: Lovely, as you do.
2: Yep. So that did make headlines. But of course, nothing was really done about it. Nothing that I know of. Of course, yeah. Because, hey, you know, soft little East, Southeast Asian person don't need to deal with it. It, I mean, okay, it does sound quite, I mean, to certain um, individuals it sounds um, quite a chip in the shoulder reaction coming from me, yeah. um, but um, people have said it to my face, well, look, you're a soft race. Um, people have also said, um, you're not people of colour, you're not really blame because yeah. you don't face enough racism. But... Yeah. If the racism isn't called what it is, if it's called um, an isolated incident or just bad luck, guess what?
1: <laughs> um, yeah, it doesn't get classed as that. It's ridiculous when... Yeah. That really, really bugs me when somebody says it's an isolated incident. No, it's not. It's somebody's life that's been taken here incorrectly because you failed to do your job. Yep. Simple as that. You failed to do your job and you should be reprimanded for it and people never seem to understand that concept you know I I find it funny because um I've dated um I've dated interracial quite a few times and I I've had partners who are allergic to things like penicillin things that like um they can't have ibuprofen and I can't have ibuprofen Mm -hmm. because of previous medical conditions however Every time I go into a GP, every time I go into a hospital, I have to tell them that because they never check my records. It's not written on my records that I can't have ibuprofen and actually that my stomach would just go absolutely absurd and it could kill me. That's dangerous. Yeah. And the thing thing that scares me of somebody who's already in the high-risk category Um, with having severe asthma is that what happens if I ended up in hospital unconscious and a good Samaritan from the street was the one to pick, was the one to drop me there. They don't know anything about me Mm -hmm. to say, by the way, this person cannot have ibuprofen. But yeah, what person would go in and the first thing they would check is, are they allergic to anything? They get a different colour band. To make sure that, you know, they don't get, get given anything funny. Uh-huh. And, but I just, you know, I get put one band on and I tell them, have you made the note that I'm allergic to ibuprofen? And then, oh, really, are you? Are you allergic to anything else? And I have to tell them every single time what I'm allergic to. Bloody hell. Yeah, and it's still after 20-something years of being requested is not on my file. You know, that's actually, you've,
2: I'm just trying to imagine what it would be like for someone who's nonverbal.
0: Yeah,
1: exactly. That would
0: be
2: deadly.
1: Yeah. Because yeah. there is that as well. And, mm-hmm. you know, some of the things that I have said to people is the reason why people within the BAME community are, are dying is because they have underlying issues that they didn't know about. Because you go in with a headache and Well you think it's a headache And your GP says you'll be fine Here's a pack of paracetamol Come back in two weeks if it doesn't stop anything Who's got time to be going First of all you can't even get an appointment In the UK in two weeks time So you you're, I have to anticipate that in four weeks I will still have a headache And book that appointment
2: Oh I remember that yeah.
1: <laughs> Do you know what I mean You're telling me come back in two weeks, but I go up to the receptionist and I say, when's the next available appointment? And it's in six weeks. So what happens within that time? And the amount of people who don't get checked on a regular basis for things is is a lot. Because we are living in 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 a foreign land at the end of the day. This is not where we are from originally in terms of like our genetic makeup. So there are things that our body is naturally missing and nobody checks for that. Um, I remember when
2: I visited the doctor for some uh, medical treatment myself, um, they only noted me as Southeast Asian, but I've also got South Asian blood, our mixed race. And you see, in a way I just find that a little bit risky to say the least, because there might be some um other um particular um illnesses and sicknesses that might be a bit more applicable to certain aspects of one ethnicity more than the other.
1: Exactly So
2: say for example, um East Asians, we have a higher chance of osteoporosis. Yeah. See? So if you're going to ignore one aspect of ethnic DNA, what you've got is um, you're actually uh, discounting a particular um, sickness that we might also be prone to. So if you're not going to actually, um, if you're going to dismiss our um, ethnicity as non-existent, um, I find that quite um, a risky sort of, um, of take on things really, just for the sake of generalization. So um, it's definitely something that needs improving on and uh, the way that uh, COVID-19 and its symptoms have been dealt with um, by um, uh, the medical authorities, that's also something that you think, wow, how do we deal with that? You know, a lot of people have had problems with that because they haven't really got that much information. You're told to stay at home if you've got minor symptoms um, but if you've got underlying health issues that you don't know about, um, what are you going to do? And also exactly. if, so, if someone's of a high risk c- category, what are they going to do? What, what, would, what would be the time that they have to go to hospital? And in hospital, you've also got um, the risk of um, being transmitted over there because you're in a, in a COVID environment. Exactly. And it's just bloody scary. Meanwhile, um, in certain other countries, um, you haven't got that because they've got a low infection rate. In Vietnam, you've got a minus death rate because they've got less road accidents now due to lockdown. Yeah. Um, I would also like a minus death rate due to lockdown. You know? yeah. I think we all exactly. would. Exactly.
1: <laughs> It's um, crazy that that even happens. And, and this is the thing with the BAME community in particularly um, that work in healthcare. How many of them know whether they've got underlying issues? Exactly. You know, to even, to even consider. Because like you said, if, you, if you're mixed race, you could, you know, for example, being black, um, being from certain parts of Africa you may be more susceptible to have sickle cell that in itself is dangerous Mm -hmm. you know you might not have the worst form of it Mm -hmm. but you might have something and that you know is at high risk category being diabetic is quite common within the Nigerian um, community how many people are aware that they're even diabetic and are going out to work every day then we've got the issue of no PPE, so they're not even being covered, and it's just going round and round and round in a vicious circle. Exactly,
2: and it's like people are actually arguing on whether to have um, or to wear masks in the first place, whereas all the countries with a higher success rate have used PPE or made their own PPE, and um, have also used social distancing measures, additionally, with lockdown measures. And that's yeah. what's contributed towards the success rate. But this country isn't um, listening, basically.
1: You know, well... Yeah, um, I well, said, go to work, but don't go to work. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. i honest to God, I sit there and I look at him and then they put Trump on next to, after him. And I just think... How, how did we get here? How did we get Boris and Trump? Can someone Trump, explain to me?
2: Trump's got blood on his hands, really, because um, oh. of, um, those um, attacks on East and Southeast Asian members of the community in America are just appalling. And they make me really scared to leave the house. Yeah. Um, usually I don't wear hijab, but in this case, I am wearing hijab and I'm wearing a pair of sunglasses so that I don't get beaten up. That 's how freaking yeah. scared I am to leave the house, and um, I mean a couple of kids got stabbed um, in Texas, and that didn 't make the front page news uh, yeah. because they were of burmese um, origin origin, you know um, yeah. and uh, trump 's going around saying oh it 's the China virus which hasn 't really helped at all no. um, you 've got um Uh, a lady was stalked um, in New York, Um, she was followed home by someone, and when she threw out um, the rubbish, she got acid thrown in her face. Yeah, I remember you telling me that. Yeah, and it's like, all this current wave of anti-East and Southeast Asian crime, um, even though it's been made more visible, it also has highlighted uh, divisions within the community as well, because I've had um, I've seen certain members of the BAME community saying, "Oh, that's really sad, but now you know how it feels. Welcome to the club." Yeah, park. yeah. And I'm
1: like, I've heard and I've heard people say that in general, saying, "Oh, you know, now they know what it feels like to be what it's like to be black," and I think that doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it right. Because we're, we're actually all part of the, We're all experiencing racism in different formats. And yep. none of it is right. R- irrespective of what colour you are, where you're from, what mix you are, that shouldn't be happening full stop. And rather than saying, now you know how it feels, we should be standing together mm-hmm. to put a stop to it. Absolutely.
2: Because we're all getting affected by it now. Exactly. All of the marginalised communities. Um, there's been a spate of um, racism against my community. There's been a spate of racism against the black community. Yes. Against um, the LGBTQI community um, in oh South Korea. I'm
1: so tired of <laughs> Americans telling us that this disease has come to wipe away LGBTQ people i think i just i just cannot understand how somebody can even think that that is the the response that that response is first of all worthy of being televised why why is that even on television why are you allowed to say something that disgusting so called freedom of opinion they say <laughs> Oh, Mr God, some people just need, I don't know, I don't know what they need. I don't know, but I I really, I need to find out and give them a shot of it because it really grinds my bones when I hear things like that.
2: Well, if I had to say farewell to a few friends that I've known for about a decade or so, I've known them for quite a while um, because um, the press have been having a field day with xenophobia. Yeah. So they failed to, um, cover how well, um, non-white, com- non-white countries are doing in terms yeah. of having a low infection rate, but, um, they haven't really failed to cover, um, about those nasty wet markets in a faraway land. Exactly. And, uh, one of my friends, um, was actually just going on and on, former friends was going on and on about, um. Um, xenophobic jokes um, they were distributing it online and um, they were saying oh it's cruel how um, these Chinese and Cambodians and Vietnamese are killing animals and pets and wild animals and I'm like you know I really do not want to know you anymore um, yeah. I don't even eat fucking lobster for god's sake I don't <clears throat> even wear silk okay <laughs> all right And they're going, oh, but that's okay. I know, I mean, I appreciate where you're from. And I'm like, yeah, Yeah. I'm actually from Sussex, mate. Yeah, but, you know, I don't really appreciate you insulting someone who could be a family member uh, by sticking to your own fucking prejudices about what ends up on their dish. Because you know what? In Whole Foods, what they're selling are grubs and snails and um, uh, crickets in snack packs, you know, around the rest of the world. You've got food that we might consider um, unsavoury. Um, yeah. I've seen um, I've seen different dishes like um, snails and um, uh, sand lizards and squirrel um, ending up on someone's plate, but it's not East or Southeast Asian, so people don't say anything. You know, I remember back in. Um, The day when we had work experience, I was about 15 and one of my bosses just pointed to me during
1: a discussion and said, look at her country, they eat dog. But yeah, people have said things like that to me as well. They're like, do you guys even have pet dogs? Like, do you guys consider dogs as pets in Africa? I'm like, yes, we do. Why would you even ask that question? Did you have a pet snake growing up? No, I didn't. Cause you know what? Oh. Snakes are wild animals that are not meant to be pets anyway. And I can't more believe white they would that. Yeah, and there's more white people that have reptiles as pets than mm-hmm. anybody else. So and it's like Tiger King and his lions. Carol Basket killed her husband, whacked him. Can't convince me that it didn't happen. Fed him to tigers, they snack it. What's happening, Carol Basket? <laughs> yeah. And Carol Baskin.
2: This is what really annoys me. So, um, you get certain ignorant people and you get certain cultural practices um, happening in um, BAME communities, and people think, oh, that's what that community is all about. Yeah? Yeah. But when you get um, people like Tiger King, for example, um, they don't represent the entire white community. They no. are uh, It's they are seen as individuals.
1: Individuals. Yeah. Exactly. Whereas we and are seen as one a collective. They are all yeah. doing the same thing, and yeah, we're all just very strange. And that's really irritating because we're all individuals in our own individual right as well. Mm-hmm. Like no one's culture is perfect. Um, no. I, I mean, I acknowledge
2: that there's a lot of colorism that goes on within Asian communities, in particular Southeast, East and South, um, South Asian communities. Um, and, um, it's pretty fucked up. Um, and I wish it would stop because, um, certain members of my family have, um, grown up, um, thinking, uh, that they're less attractive because, um, They may have um, darker skin, and it's happened to some friends of mine as well. And um, of course, I can't really understand it from their point of view um, as well. Um, But also, I think, how on earth can you actually hold on to a culture like that?
1: you know Um, yeah I really it really grinds me with things like that because I've obviously I've done an episode on um, colorism in itself um but I just one of the things I've always made sure to do because if you were to ever see my whole family we are an array of -hmm. the brown shade from very light Mm -hmm. to incredibly dark Mm -hmm. and one thing we all do is we all believe that we are beautiful and that's something I preach to all my siblings you're beautiful in your own right don't anybody ever tell you anything different and there are people within the BAME community who will turn around and say this sister is better looking than that sister because look at her shade and (laughs) straight away I told them get out if you're going to make that comment, Good. you need to get out because everybody is beautiful in their own right. And I'm, very, I'm a very free person when it comes to my body and things like that. So I don't care who's looking at me. But I'm, I'm purposely like that so that other people will see that if you don't give a shit, mm-hmm. if you don't fall into the trap of giving a shit, people will stop. Yep. Because it was something that used to happen a lot more when we were younger and didn't know what to say and as soon as some of us got older we were like i don't actually care what you say and i'm still going to be able to bag whoever i want to bag irrespective of my shade mm-hmm. they automatically stopped saying that because now you you shouldn't be comparing siblings to each other in terms of looks anyway everybody's different you know, And I always tell people, the only person that can insult my siblings is me. And that happens behind closed doors, and we cannot laugh about it, but we all know when, you know, we, we still wouldn't say things like, your colour is worse than mine, or black. And That's just not something that comes into our head. But when we go outside of our homes, there's so many people mm-hmm. that will make comments and say, oh, your sister is so much darker than you. So...
2: I've actually um, stepped out the house with a relative who follows um, the uh, Indian side of the family, Um, so he's a lot darker than me, and he got mistaken for my toy boy. Wow. (laughs) Is he good looking? (laughs) Of course I would say yes,
1: (laughs) because I'm biased with
2: my family. (laughs) (laughs) I'm proud of my family too.
1: Exactly. Um, <laughs> it's just crazy that people even like come. I don't know why people would ask that question. I once got asked if my siblings were my children because I'm much bigger, you know, and I'm, I'm also proud to be a plus size woman, like 100%. Rocked, I love my curves. I've rocked my curves. I've said it many, many times. I have no problem walking naked on the street I don't care who's looking at me because this is my body (laughs) nice one but there's people who take the fact that I'm bigger Mm -hmm. and I'm from a family of 12 kids and I'm Mm -hmm. the first one and I've had people ask me did I give birth to those children oh my god and I think what what makes you look at me and think that I have birthed 11 children I would have had to start when I was, like, seven. Like, <laughs> uh, that's not okay. And, and then when you tell them, no, they're my siblings, they're like, oh, you're so big for your age. Oh, my God. And that, that's a very black comment to make. That's a very black people comment to make in general. And you just think, and you're so foolish for your age. How unfortunate. They usually tend to show up after that. <laughs> but, no, you so know, we, we've got so much work to do within our own communities and we need yes. to break down the bias within our own communities. Absolutely. And then also break down the bias within the other communities outside of that, which is the white people, about what they, what they think they know about us. Because that's mm-hmm. the other problem is they think they know everything there is to know about us when actually they don't they only see some certain bits when they go on holiday they don't actually get to know the culture they don't get to know what the people are like what everyday life is like it sort of um ties in with what you're
2: what i'm thinking at the moment as well because um what we've had to deal with as um east and southeast asian communities is that um from within our own communities, uh, when, um, it's, um, in a Western country, the, um, a lot of our elders, not all of them, but a lot of them have dealt with, um, racism that's been hurled against them by just shrugging it off and going, saying, just ignore it and go, and it will go away. And, um, um, and the way to deal with it is to work hard for the younger generation. Um, so that they will have um, some foundations, some decent foundations to work with. Yeah. And um, what has happened is that because we've shrugged all that racism off um, um, to the point where it's considered normal to use the C word against us um, and to hurl God knows um, really bad takes on our... um, so called native languages at us because sometimes I do get people screaming, Ni hao, out of a racing car uh, on the wow. street me, <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. Um, because we've had so much of that, which is a bit like Chinese water torture, excuse um, the um, comparison, yeah. but that's what it's like. It's absolute mind fuckery. Um, we've pretty much had. Um, I'll do my best. A um, institutionalized version of racism where it's considered quite normal um, for all of that to go through um, as an East and Southeast Asian person. When I was at school as a kid, um, I pretty much thought that it was standard and acceptable, believe it or not, to have someone pull their eyes to imitate mine and um, to say, Um, to make silly Bruce Lee noises around me and to spell my name um, like something off um, a takeaway menu you know and it's always been a case it's always been a case of um, Asian people at the back um, because we're not cool enough if you look at RuPaul's Drag Race for example um, and the contestants there of um, Asian origin they're always last to be selected in a challenge And it's quite obvious um, to someone, especially of someone who is um, of Asian heritage and also with um, South Asian drag queens, they're hardly recognized. Um, They're hardly given any airtime as well in the community. Um, But it just gets back to my point whereby we've had so much institutionalized racism it's considered normal to the point where it dehumanizes us and um, the um, recent attacks, victims of the attacks um, against East and Southeast Asians right now are elderly and uh, children and uh, people are shrugging it off still and they're just saying no you've had it coming to you it's your fault you've uh, created this virus yeah and um, I've had members of the Muslim community who are also saying the same thing. And they're saying, oh, it's your fault for eating cat and dog and being barbaric with um, what's on your plate. And I'm thinking, do you know something? That was exactly the same thing was said about halal meat months yeah. ago. You know? So um, you've also been a hated figure primarily because of your religion barely a yeah. month ago. And. Um, yes, we've had uh, certain pockets of society who are also blaming uh, Muslims for COVID-19
1: outbreaks as well. It's just tiring that we continue to be targeted in so many ways that I just think, at what point does somebody think, you know, we keep blaming these people, but also they're saving our lives. Yes. Absolutely. we keep blaming them. Maybe if we actually got to know them properly, we'd have a better understanding. But they don't bother to do that. They just wait for the next problem. And when you say the things about, you know, being institutionalised to believe that, you know, some of the racism that we get is accepted. And I do believe that, like, um, even, you know, as early as, or as late as our parents, I would say, who come to the country to make a better life, they shrug it off. And believe that they just work hard, then you will be able to like you'll be able to go to a better school. You'll be able to have more education than them. But what they're not understanding is because they've because all these generations have failed to fight for their rights, mm-hmm. we're now starting to do it for the next yep. generation. Yeah. So actually, we haven't gotten it hasn't gotten any easier. Education is better. Mm -hmm. so we're able to articulate ourselves a bit better but other than that we're actually we're still very far behind because everybody else has allowed it to just go on and they didn't get behind the people who were actually like trying to fight for it enough and also there's the
2: disunity within communities as well because um if you're talking about the east and southeast asian communities for example Our community representation isn't as strong as our main peers and uh, that's because there are divisions within the community itself so um, you'll find East Asians stick with East Asians, Southeast Asians stick with um, Southeast Asians Um, and then it boils down to nationality as well where Chinese stick with Chinese, Filipinos stick with Filipinos, Vietnamese stick with um, Vietnamese and although it's one way of it's our way of saying, Hey, we're not this monolith. Look, there's different countries and communities within us. It also has kind of, um, it also has sort of, um, split the community to, um, an effect whereby, um, we, um, are affected, um, in terms of strength. So we can't look past the nationality. And yeah. therefore, what happens is that we end up in this sort of vicious cycle whereby um, we don't want to be presented as um, a monolith, but at the same time, we've got a fragmented community at the end. And um, it's um, led to um, underrepresentation because strength is in numbers. And
1: exactly.
2: we're the third largest ethnic uh, minority in the country but we're also um, one of the most um, underrepresented. Um, and uh, that I find that is quite um, unique um, in dealing with. I remember when I lived in a London um, borough, West London, I wanted to find um, a uh, support group for East Asian women um, because I was going through some um, ethnic um, based problems myself so I needed the community and I called up the council and I was like is there maybe a Chinese women's association I can go to or any East Asian women's association I can go to and they just said you know what we actually did try approaching um, the East Asian community and um, they just said That um, we have no use for it. They just refuse to um, start up a little community service of their own.
1: Yeah, and that's the other thing as well. We need to start teaching people within our community about mental health. We we so much believe that we can just shrug things off and it's okay. Mm -hmm. And actually, we face so much trauma. You know, from Mm -hmm. trying to move to a different country. You know, having to juggle the fact that you. You're growing up in one culture, but you also still have your own culture when you're at home. You know, my parents were very much African when I got home. Didn't matter what Johnny in school told me. You know, I can't just stomp my feet and get biscuits. I'll get clapped around (laughs) the head. Simple as. I remember trying to
2: explain um, watering cans in the toilet. Um, and also a
1: no-shoes-in-the-house rule.
2: (laughs) Wow.
1: I I can't imagine that would go down very well.
2: (laughs) No, it wouldn't. I was kind of embarrassed about it. I was like, I know it's different, but it's what I grew up with. Yeah. um, Now I've just adopted those practices with absolute pride, especially when we've got a toilet
1: roll shortage. Exactly. Exactly. I do find that hilarious that everybody was going crazy. For toilet roll, and I was like, "Well, if we run out, we run out." Please. So the waste you kit. Know? <laughs> and people were like, "What do you mean if you run out?" I'm like, "Well, there's other ways to clean your bum. Like, relax." Exactly. Was, at, so at at one point in history, there was no toilet roll. Yeah, there was newspaper. All those, exactly. All those people <laughs> did not get around with dirty bums. I'm sure. <laughs> It's crazy, but I think if we carry on, we'll be on here for days. Absolutely. I'm, you know, there's
2: a lot of other um, things that I have actually got to cover, um, especially on the East
1: Asian side of things, Um, such as the way to do it again 100%. Yeah, and and have a continuation of this because there's a lot to depict um, when it comes to the Southeast. Uh, and Southeast Asian um, community and within the BAME community as well and I think we really need to start working on dismantling those disbeliefs that we have within our own community
0: absolutely and then
1: start showcasing them to everybody else and say look at us we need to we need to be proud of where our heritage comes from and be Mm -hmm. like I'm proud to be who I am and you can either like it or lump it." don't care it's what I tell people now anyway so and I've like yourself I've I've gotten rid of so many friends not even just because of the the pandemic itself but just in general with the kind of comments that they make and I just think I if I have to keep telling you 10 Mm -hmm. years down the line not to say that then you're not you're not taking it in and I'm not going to be your friend because I'm done with that I'm not here to have to teach you That's what school is for. And if school can't get it into your head, and I've tried, and you're so institutionalized to think that these jokes are funny, then I'm done with it. And sometimes it takes for you to walk away for people to actually sit down and realize. And I find that even with the LGBT community, the things that people say as jokes, you know, but back then, gay meant happy. Okay, well, it doesn't now. So don't make, don't play around with the word because for some people it's very difficult to say I'm gay
2: yeah exactly and we actually should have that support system in place especially coming from a highly marginalized community exactly Um, yeah
1: (laughs) but yeah next time when we do this we need to talk more about being queer and being muslim as well because I don't think we got into that at all we didn't.
2: Also didn't cover the fact that um, this country, one of the first things they thought that would solve the coronavirus was to cancel their Chinese
1: takeaway. Yeah, I know. That was, oh my God. Do you know what? <laughs> I don't even know what I want to say to that. I purposely got a Chinese takeaway. So I'm Same still having my Chinese takeaway.
2: Same here. I've been actually shopping at my um, East Asian uh, supermarket. Um, and um, just shopping in solidarity, really, because a lot of East Asian um, uh, businesses have been affected and
1: gone oh, bust yeah. because of COVID nineteen. I've still been shopping. Yeah, I've still been shopping in my African food stores. I'm yep. still gonna eat what I want to eat during this time. I'm not gonna survive on um, white bread all the time. I do love white bread. Mm-hmm. I almost they almost thought I was celiac, and I told them it's just not possible. Like I, I'd rather have a sore belly than not eat bread well it's time to support smaller um, businesses as well (laughs) exactly but um yeah i still shop in my african food stores and buy the things i want to buy because i like i like them they taste nice my food tastes good i'm gonna carry on
2: you can like get a big jar of honey um at a middle eastern store for example for about a fiver and in waitrose it'll cost you the earth
1: so exactly. I know where I prefer to go. Exactly. Yeah, I find that as well when you buy things like bags of rice and things like that. It's just a bit ridiculous of how much you're paying for them in a the supermarket compared to in your local African or Asian food stores. And I do go into the Asian food stores as well because they have some of my spices that I use for cooking my food as well that we can't get in the African. So we're, we're so interlinked in so many ways that we don't even realise it, yet we, we seem to have so many problems with each other that it's just so, I don't understand why that is even the case.
2: I think it's more to do with um, also just um, sitting down and having these conversations and yeah. ours is
1: taken quite a bit, but you know, there's just so much to unpick exactly 100% but I'd like to hear what the listeners have to say so mm-hmm. if anybody has comments on this um dm me on any of my socials uh, it's um on twitter facebook instagram it's life um mm-hmm. or you can send an email to it's life at gmail.com just telling us about your opinion your experiences that you've had dilemmas that you may be facing um how how you cope I suppose, you know, that would be interesting to see how other people cope with some of this. And if there is more Southeast Asian women, fame, men, all of you out there, can you just like let us know? Just, I don't know, say hi so that we know that you exist and there's more than just joy out here so that we can like all connect. And reconnect and actually start to work as a community. Fantastic. <laughs> and um, I don't know about you. But do you want to share socials um, for anybody to find you?
2: Um. Yeah. You can find me on um, JMarrow uh, at Twitter, and um, sometimes also as Joy Muhammad. Actually. Marketing is not my strong point. Do you mind? Hang on a (laughs) sec. Let me just find my Twitter handle. No problem. um, just to let everyone know that I've also updated the inclusive um, pride flag with a gold stripe to represent East and Southeast Asians. And that will be on my Twitter page. So feel free to share. um, Well, I shall be feeling
1: that. I'll be stealing that (laughs) in a few minutes, so don't you worry.
2: (laughs) So my Twitter handle is um, at JM underscore arrow.
1: Underscore arrow. There we go. So people can find you on there. And what else? And also on
2: Medium as well. And uh, Wattpad. So if you like a bit of geeky sci-fi... I've uh, got a couple of stories there that you can
1: read. And uh, that's me. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, yeah, we'd like to hear from everybody on all the socials. So You can email, uh, you can obviously um, speak to Joy, you can speak to myself. We just want to hear about your experiences, what you guys go through. Um, if you want to come on and talk about them, you want to join us on mm-hmm. a three-way That's absolutely fine. Not in the sexual manner, people. Please behave yourself, okay? I am single, however, so DM me separately for that, right? (laughs) Just telling myself out here for when we get out of the (laughs) quarry. But thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a wonderful day. And, yeah, we'll look to hear from you again. Stay safe, everyone. Thanks. Bye. Bye.